This is Gulf Coast Life from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. We're just over two months into this year's Atlantic storm season, and we've had just three named storm systems in the Atlantic so far. But the season getting off to a relatively quiet start is no reason for Floridians to let their guard down. Historically, the time for peak activity during hurricane season is September 10th, with the most activity occurring between mid-August and mid-October, according to the National Hurricane Center. A lot of the hurricane preparation tips that come from emergency management experts concern not just how to fortify homes or deciding when and whether to evacuate, but how to prepare for after a storm when residents could be experiencing experiencing power outages. The country's largest electric utility, Florida Power & Light, is always working on new innovations, upgrades, and strategies to fortify the electric grid against damage and to restore power more quickly after a storm has occurred. This year, the company's innovations include the deployment of a new fixed-wing drone called FPL Air One. The company has been using drones for years. They conduct more than 200 drone flights every day to help avoid customer interruptions and reduce outage times. But the FPL Air One drone is quite different. This unmanned drone has a wingspan slightly longer than that of a Cessna, can weigh up to 1,800 pounds, and can fly 1,000 miles in a single deployment without needing to refuel. Unlike other drones in the company's fleet, this new fixed-wing drone can fly safely when wind conditions are far more volatile, even in tropical storm force winds. The drone's maiden voyage is set for this month. Joining me now for a closer look at a broad spectrum of the ways FPL is innovating and improving its preparations and response before, during, and after a storm is Florida Power and Light Senior Communications Specialist Conlon Kennedy. Welcome to Gulf Coast Life. Thank you for having me today. And we're also speaking with FPL Technology and Innovation Manager Eric Schwartz, who leads the company's drone program and NextEra Energy's Aerial Intelligence Response Group. He's previously served as the company's Quality Deployment Lead, Smart Grid and Innovation Manager, Reliability Program Manager, and Delivery Assurance Lead. Prior to joining FPL, Eric worked as an engineer for Emergency One, a leading fire apparatus manufacturer, where he designed aircraft rescue fire trucks. He also holds a number of personal and work patents as well. Eric Schwartz, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. Thanks so much for taking the time to share your knowledge and insights with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Glad to be on. And to engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On Twitter, we're at WGCU using the hashtag GCL. Now, Conlin, I I wanted to start with you. Anecdotally, I think the most visibly evident change FPL has been making is fortifying utility poles to prevent storm damage in the first place. Um, I know in my 20-plus years living here in southwest Florida, I noticed that a lot more of those old wooden utility poles along roads that I travel have been replaced with the more secure concrete poles. This is hardly a new effort, but tell me more about that. How much of the company's vast utility infrastructure has already gone through this transition? And is this something the company is constantly working on? Yeah, absolutely, John. At FPL, we're focused on continuous improvement, and we're constantly working to make our grid smarter, stronger, and more storm resilient for both day-to-day reliability and to help us speed restoration after a storm as well. We do this in a variety of ways, and one of one of the ways we do this is, is hardening efforts. Um, so we're constantly working to, to make our grid stronger. Um, so some of the ways we do that is installing concrete poles to replace wooden poles throughout our 43-county service area. Uh, we regularly inspect 
1.4 million polls a year to make sure that they are up to our standards of strength. So that's an ongoing process. And approximately 99% of our, our main power lines that serve critical community services, such as hospitals, police stations, fire stations, and emergency communication systems, they have been hardened. All right. And, and these you know, more secure concrete poles, I understand, can withstand winds of up to 145 miles per hour. How does that compare with the, the old wooden utility poles? Well, they're, they're, like you said, they're, they're much stronger. Um, so, you know, that allows us to, if we can't uh, keep power on during a, a strong storm, it allows us to restore power faster. Um, so that's, that's the goal with, with hardening our grid. And then, again, that's a process that, that is ongoing. Um, in our 43 counties, we're, we're constantly working to to make our grid stronger for our customers, so we can be them, so we can be there for them when they need us the most. And in addition to the infrastructure we see above ground, tell me about the Storm Secure Underground Pilot Program. Yeah, absolutely. So the undergrounding uh, the undergrounding program is we've installed underground power lines in approximately 800 neighborhoods statewide. Uh, those are incredibly valuable to us. They performed about 85% better during Hurricane Irma. And from day-to-day reliability, they, they perform about 50% better on average. Um, so those, those underground power lines are improving reliability for our customers uh, day in and day out. And, you know, one of the reasons it does that is because, you know, one of the main causes for, for power outages during storms is, is vegetation interacting with, with overhead power lines. So by putting power lines underground, we're eliminating that risk, and that's one of the reasons they perform so much better. Does the practice of moving this utility infrastructure underground have a somewhat limited application? I, I just imagine there'd be some regions, you know, perhaps maybe more right along the coast, for instance, where this simply wouldn't be feasible. Yeah, so our equipment is, is submersible. So in case of, you know, worrying about flooding, um, we can underground in, in most neighborhoods, and, you know, the technology is improving every single day. We also have protocols in place to put in hardened overhead lines if undergrounding isn't feasible in a particular neighborhood. So, you know, that's something, like I said, we've done 800 neighborhoods so far, and we're looking to to continue that process. All right. And a term one is going to come across a lot if you're looking into uh, FPL's um, infrastructure is the term smart grid technology. Tell me about that and what it means and what it means for FPL customers. Yeah, absolutely. So smart grid technology is, is, again, one of the things we're doing to, you know, to keep our grid smarter, stronger, and more storm resilient. So we've installed approximately 200,000 uh, smart switches throughout, our, uh, throughout the state of Florida in our, in our service areas. And those allow us to prevent power outages in some case. And it also allows us to reroute power uh, from from other lines, uh, so so in some cases our customers don't e- don't even lose power at all. Um, it helps keep their lights back on, so they can detect if there's an issue on our grid, and it can reroute power um, through another line, which has been incredibly valuable um, to improve reliability for our customers. All right, and in, in WGCU's post Irma or coverage five years ago. I recall reaching out to FPL several times a day for, you know, any kind of updates on power restoration that we could pass along to our listeners. People really wanted to know when they could expect to have their power restored. And while the information we were able to pass along was beneficial and, and it was being updated all the time, it was a little vague. Um, and so um, should we find ourselves in a similar situation this year? And of course, I hope we don't. How has FPL improved its ability to provide more detailed real-time information on power? 
power restoration. Yeah, absolutely. So we learned from every storm, and Hurricane Irma is a, is a great example of that. Uh, you know, we've done a lot of things to, to make sure that you know, our customers can get in touch with us when they need us the most. Uh, FPL.com slash power tracker is the easiest way to see um, where, where you know, we're restoring power and, and the process for doing so. Customers can also call 1-800-4-OUTAGE. That way they can report down power lines. They can, they can get information on you know, estimated times of restoration. Additionally, we've really improved our app since, the, uh, since Hurricane Irma. You know, we've, we've, we've made uh, tweaks to make sure that you know, our customers can get in touch with us when they need us the most. So the new app can be found on the App Store and also the, the Google Play Store. Uh, so customers should definitely have that handy. You know, uh, this is a five-year anniversary of Hurricane Irma, which is a, a powerful reminder, you know, for our customers of why it's so important to be prepared. In Florida, it only takes one storm to, to upend our way of life. So being prepared is really something that customers should keep top of mind. We're prepared, and, and we encourage our customers to make preparations as well. All right. And, and and back in May, FPL conducted its annual storm drill. This was a huge effort involving more than 3,500 employees, um, you know, based on responding to a simulated hurricane, a Category 3, that more or less followed the track of Hurricane Dennis, an actual storm that struck Florida back in 05. Can you tell me more about that simulation drill, Conlon? Absolutely. So at FPL, every day that we're not responding to a storm, we're, we're preparing to respond to one. We prepare year-round for hurricane season, and like you mentioned, in May, uh, we held our annual storm drill. And what that really is, it's a week-long drill where thousands of employees practice responding to our storm uh, response team to make sure we're all systems go and ready for hurricane season. Everything from logistics to communications is, is gone over during that plan, and, and we put that plan into practice, you know, the first day of, of hurricane season this year when Tropical Storm Alex was, was developing um, and that was a great example of, of, you know, why we've trained year round. And it's a great, you know, great way of, of showing how that practice pays off because it shows that we can mobilize thousands of, of men, women and resources to make sure that, that we're there for our customers uh, before, during and after a storm. All right. If you're just joining the show, we're highlighting how the nation's largest electric utility company, Florida Power and Light, is working to improve its preparations and response, again, before, during, and after a storm event. If you would like to comment on our conversation or engage with fellow listeners, find us on Facebook at WGCU Public Media, and we're on Twitter at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So that annual storm drill we were just talking about also marked the public and the media's first look at the -the state-of-the-art FPL Air One fixed-wing drone. Eric Schwartz, since this project is is truly your baby, I'm turning to you to tell us more about it. Um, As I understand it, at least part of what the fixed-wing drone is designed to do is to assess and sort of triage storm damage more quickly in, in places that crews might not be able to access in the immediate aftermath of the storm so that when they are able to safely reach those areas, the triage assessment is already done. They can go into those locations and they're not flying blind, no pun intended. They'll go in already knowing what needs to be done. Uh, that's absolutely correct. And the idea with this is the FPL Air One has the capability because of, as you mentioned earlier in the beginning, the, the long flight time to be able to take off in an area that is perfectly fine weather-wise, like on the east coast of Florida, and then can travel behind the storm and start following the storm along. As being an unmanned aircraft, 
and with the 20-plus hour flight time, the capability of being able to stay up in the air for almost a day and being able to switch pilots that are on the ground monitoring and flying the aircraft or the drone, we're able to use that type of uh, sensor technology that we have on there to assess areas right after the storm has rolled through that we might not be able to get to safely right after the storm. You know, we are still OSHA requirements and safety requirements for our first responders. You have to be under that 39-mile-per-hour wind differential to start going out and assess damage. And so we can be in there sooner and safer with the FPL Air 1 and be able to target areas. There was a lot of use cases during Irma where the company found out, you know, certain pockets of damage, you know, a day or two after because you have only so many resources that are able to go out into the field. And this would this is going to give us a better bird's eye view of the damage. And we hope be able to identify, like you mentioned, those pockets of area. But also one big thing is logistics. With the FPL Air 1, we'll be able to see areas that are flooded, maybe bridges that are out in roadways. So logistically, we can travel and move our crews around the state much safer, faster, and better for a better response time for our customers. Oh, wow. Um, will the function of the FPL Air 1 drone primarily be for damage assessments after a storm, or can it serve some proactive functions as well? Nah, uh, great question, and, and absolutely. The, the goal is in the blue sky like a day like today, our goal is to use the sensor package that we've been developing on FPL Air 1 to create a three-dimensional grid or a three-dimensional mirror image of our current grid. And we've been working on image recognition and change detection for the past handful of years at the company. And so the idea is to be able to do multiple passes a year with the FPL Air 1 <clears throat> during Blue Sky, which also helps us set up that process for storm as well. And so the idea is to be able to use this tool because we feel it is a tool in our toolkit to provide better reliability and better service for our customers. So as you mentioned, be able to use change detection and say this asset or a pole is leaning more than it was the last time we scanned it. Let's go check it out. Um, being more proactive um, in, in all of our engineering and support. And, and when you're dealing with something as large as this new fixed-wing drone, I imagine the FAA safety operating guidelines could be a bit more stringent. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've we been um, working with the FAA for the past four and a half years. Uh, we have a, a partnership for safety plan, um, memorandum of understanding with them, and so it's a special project that we've been working with them on this program, FPL Air One, and also our drone in the box substation drone program as well. And we're always trying to see what type of tools and technology and advancements are going to be able to help our customers and help us provide better service for them. And, and you know, this comes with a, a $1.2 million price tag, as I understand it. I'm wondering if you faced any challenges related to that hefty price tag, or, or did leadership in the company just readily recognize its value and support the initiative? You know, at FPL, because we are a rate-based utility, as you said, uh, you know, the rate payers like myself, uh, you know, as a customer, pay my salary and, and everyone else's salary through our bills. Um, we've done a business case type evaluation. And so everything that we do 
Um, we're a big Six Sigma quality control company. And so we've done a lot of business case evaluation on, you know, the pros and cons and, and also being the first. Um, you know, we this will be the first residential or commercial large-scale UAS flown outside of a test site when it does its uh, first flight next week. It's been flying at one of the test sites um, that the FAA has approved um, for the past year now. And it's, uh, it's you know, really exciting and also, um, you know, pushing the envelope for the industry as a whole. Can you tell me a little more about next week's uh, exciting maiden voyage? Um, like, like, is there a planned flight path? What are we really looking to do with this test flight? The, the test flight's just a simple flight around the pattern. Uh, nothing, nothing special, protect, you know, special on that side, but it, it's going to be really exciting, uh, you know, with our partnership and working with the FAA and the team on getting the approvals and continuing to work on, on the safety case because that's the most important thing is safety. And it's just going to do a flight around the pattern and then land and, you know, allow media and everyone to come up and, and get a close look and put hands on, on the on FPL Air 1. Well, right. And, and I guess we'll all know this next week. But, but when this is deployed, uh, you know, either next week or in the future for a real, you know, emergency situation, is it going to be fairly obvious visually that this is an FPL drone? Honestly, if, unless you were really up close and seen it, it's branded as an F, you know, has FPL logo all over it. But the altitude that it'll be flying at, um, unless you really knew what you were looking at, you probably wouldn't even recognize it, that it was a, a drone or an FPL branded drone. It'll just be another aircraft in the sky flying. Oh, all right. All right. Um, and, and, you know, with, with this drone being able to fly, say, in tropical storm force winds and with its size, you know, there's a potential for danger there if it's in the wrong hands. Tell me about what kind of specialized knowledge or training is required for anyone who's going to be piloting the FPL Air 1. No, great question. It's um, Cybersecurity and security and safety are number one. Um, there's multiple fail-safes that are in the system from the communication of a direct link from our mobile um, air command center and, and the FPL Air 1. And then also capabilities of if something were to try to be hijacked or so forth. In the in the sense of it, it's you know we have multiple fail safes working with the FA and FPL next air's um, cybersecurity team to make sure that we have everything in in line to make sure nothing happens. In a news release, FPL sent out a few months ago about that uh, aforementioned May storm drill simulation, made mention of a Gator all-terrain vehicle. Uh, I'm not sure um, whether Conlon or, or, or you, Eric, would be best to answer this question, but but is this new? What, what can you tell me about this vehicle? Yeah, this is this is Conlon. I can take that one. Uh, the, the Gator all-terrain uh, vehicle is something that, that we've been using uh, for a few years, um, and we use that. Um, to respond uh, locally and, you know, both at, at our uh, service centers uh, whenever there's an emergency involved. So uh, the Gator is a, a vehicle that allows us to to assess uh, damage to our, our, our service centers and to our command center um, and, you know, uh, help fix whatever the issue is uh, safely and as quickly as possible. All right. Uh, also, that drill um, made note of a remote-controlled tree trimming truck, also an autonomous substation rover. Um, Conlon, what can you tell me about these technologies for FPL? I imagined, uh, you know, 
dealing with you know trees potentially impacting the utility infrastructure is a year-round effort absolutely so you know tree trim uh trees interacting with power lines is is one of the main causes of of power outages during storms in fact it was the the number one cause of outages during hurricane ermine you know at fpl uh, we're not just an energy company we're a technology company so we're always looking for for innovative technology to help improve reliability for our customers and one of the ways in which we are doing that is with an automated uh, tree trimmer um, which is still in the testing phase uh, but essentially what it allows us to do is it allows us to, to trim trees um, without actually having to put a, a worker in a bucket truck. So it improves safety for our, our workers, and it also helps us uh, uh, trim more trees uh, potentially in the future uh, to help minimize outages uh, before, during, and after storms. And now Hurricane Charlie back in 2004 was, was my first big experience with a hurricane in Florida, um, my parents were out of the country at that time, but their house had power restored like within hours. So my brother and I and about a million of our friends and coworkers stayed there uh, for several days waiting for our own power to be uh, restored. I mention this because as the crow flies, my parents' home is, is less than a mile from an FPL substation. I'm curious if there's any truth to the notion that if you live near one of these substations or if you live near critical infrastructure, like say a hospital, that you'll likely get your power restored sooner. Yeah, so during storms, we have a, a tried-and-true process for, for restoring power, um, and our goal is to restore power to, to the largest amount of customers in the shortest amount of time. Um, so the way we do that is we start off by repairing power plants and, and damaged transmission lines and substations, as those are essential to providing electric, electric service to, to all of our customers. Uh, at the same time, we prioritize restoring power to critical facilities, uh, as you mentioned, such as hospitals, fire stations, police stations, uh, water treatment plants. And then while we're doing that, we're also working to restore power to the largest number of customers in the shortest amount of time. Um, so once large repairs have been made, we restore service to, to smaller groups working 24-7 around the clock until every customer has their lights back on. Gotcha. And Conlon, I know this is going back to basics a bit, but as we know, with the current population explosion Florida is in the midst of, there's new people moving into the state every day who have zero firsthand experience with a hurricane. From FPL's perspective, what are some basic steps and safety measures people should take when it comes to the likelihood of losing power for some period of time? Absolutely. So, you know, we've we've improved our grid. It's We're more prepared for hurricane season than ever before, but no grid is hurricane-proof, and that's why it's so important for, for customers to, to have a plan and to be prepared just like we're preparing. So, you know, some of the things they should be thinking about is, are they gonna, are customers going to evacuate? Are they going to stay? Do they have any loved ones that have electronic medical equipment? They need to make a plan for those, for those people now. Um, you know, do they have any pets? Uh, what, what evacuation zone are they in? Other things they should really be, be thinking about, especially if, you know, they have a generator, they should take that generator out now. Make sure they remember how to use it and read that owner's manual guide. And then absolutely never operate a, a generator indoors or in a garage. Um, so that's something that they can practice now and make sure they still know how to, to use that generator. 
All right. And Eric Schwartz, turning to you for my final question, and I apologize because this is a little off topic, but one of the bios about you that I came across online mentions that in your spare time, one of your entrepreneurial interests involves designing children's products for parents on the go. Tell me about that. I'm just curious. Um, yeah, my um, I've always been in a, an inventor by, by heart and, and kind of family. My grandfather and great-grandfather were engineers and inventors and uh, came up with an idea for a, uh, a baby bottle warmer um, or a few different types that I was able to get patents for and I you know, sell on Amazon on the on the side. Um, and so that's, that's a topic. All right. Well, that is about all the time we have for today's show, but I do want to thank my guests. We've been speaking with Florida Power and Light Senior Communications Specialist Conlon Kennedy. Thanks so much for taking the time, Conlon. Thank you for having us. And we've also been speaking with FPL's Technology and Innovation Manager, Eric Schwartz, who leads the company's drone program and NextEra Energy's Aerial Intelligence Response Group. Eric Schwartz, thanks again to you so much for taking the time to share your insights. My pleasure. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org slash gcl, or subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Jared Gonzalez and yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. Thank you.